White Sox Live podcast. My name is Ben, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Xavier. Xavier, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, it's been a while since I got to talk some White Sox baseball, so I'm excited. Yeah, I thought, you know, since this is going to be our, our first episode of this branded podcast, maybe we'd introduce ourselves a little bit, just real quick, you know, a little little tidbits about each other. Um, I'm going to start with you, though. I want to ask you, why the Sox? What, make, what made you a Sox fan? Um, I think I've been, I've gone to their games the longest, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, just growing up enjoying baseball, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been to tons on both sides. I have sure. a family up north, and but the south side is where I live. I'm from the southwest suburbs. Uh, we get to a lot of games. We've always had various outings uh compared to other like events it's to an extent a little affordable than others going downtown uh there's something about like it was a little more blue collar we come from a blue collar family uh the there there's so many like i always i grew attached to a lot of these uh minority based players like Mm -hmm. uh, i'm i'm uh mexican and cuban so White Sox are known to have a, a sure, huge sure. connection to uh, Cuban baseball players from Minosa to Alexi Ramirez to the, the plethora of guys they right. have now. Moncada, Abreu, uh, yeah, for sure. Robert. Uh, so those guys, it's always been an exciting time. And I, I just love the game. And the White Sox, other than when they're, they're, they lose and they don't, make uh decisions to win uh i i've never like not enjoyed sure. uh following them yeah i i'm i'm one of those um weird north side north side fans you know i i grew up i was born into a cubs family my dad's a huge cubs fan um i'm from uh rockford illinois which is you know far northwest of uh of chicago but you know I think I'm a Chicago sports fan first. So, you know, bulls, bears, you name it. Uh, and, and like you, I think I've been to more white Sox games actually than I have been Cubs games. We'd go to them more when I was a child cause they were cheaper and easier to get to honestly than, than the Cubs. Um, and, and in particular for me, uh, when I really gravitated towards the started gravitating towards the Sox was in the nineties, uh, the Cubs were dreadful. It was, it was a bad decade until the end, you know, with the home run chase and, and just who couldn't love that that Frank Thomas, Robin Ventura, Ozzie Gee. I mean, that was just a fun era, uh, even though they'd ever won it all. Um, but that was still, it was a great era. Um, and so, you know, I'm one of those weird Northside fans where I have nothing but love for the White Sox. Um, had a lot of fun cheering them onto their World Series uh, and whatnot. So it's fun for me to be able to come around uh, full turn and, and be able to talk about the White Sox uh, on a podcast. So, so. A little side note, uh, when you mentioned Robin Ventura, I, I would love to like meet him and ask him, do you regret co- becoming the White Sox manager? Just because there's a fa- there's a little fan base that don't know how like exciting he was yeah, as a yeah. White Sox player. So they just know him from his managing days. Which, and yeah. that's a lot of like hatred and anger for how bad they were and yeah. him not being a great manager. So they they don't they don't like him, even though like He's a White Sox in a way legend. And he was even like, he was plucked from the front office, right? He was, if memory serves, he was somewhat reluctant to take the job. And I think that's par- partially why, you know, um, you know, will, how will that change 
perception over time and whatever and legacy and all that. So, yeah. yeah so since this, is, since this is our, our first podcast of the year, um, we're a month in, I thought maybe we'd, we'd hit on some of those storylines for the first month of the season. And I think one of the big storylines we just talked about, um, Ventura as a manager, um, the White Sox are once again with the new man at the helm, um, Based on you know what I was following the offseason, I don't think very many people saw this hire coming. Um, what was your reaction to the Tony La Russa hire, and, and how do you think it's going so far? My initial reaction, it was his name got dropped in their last minute. They they were looking at a few other guys, and I, I was pretty sold. Uh, I, I give people the benefit of the doubt. So like a player that's struggling, I'm like, oh, this yeah. new city, he's going to do good. Right, right. Uh, the White Sox, even though they might have done the same old type of moves before, this is the year they switch it up. And I was like, oh, they'll maybe go after Hinch and some of those yeah. other guys. Uh, I think what was a core was that available? Yeah. And then Tony's name got dropped, and I was like, oh, uh, Ryan Starf is going with his buddy on this one. <laughs> and it's going to happen. And initially I was, I was kind of opposed, but I wasn't like, like this is the end of the world. The White Sox yeah. have a really solid team. They looked really well. There's a few things they had to work on. And I was, I was, I wanted them to get someone new. Uh, There's a few instances last year at the rookie Renteria where when I would, when we spoke about it in the past, when I spoke with Ian, we talked about how, Ricky Renteria was a good like A to B, not an A to C yeah. kind of guy. Right. Yeah. And there was this time where people like they liked him uh, like a lot, like the players loved him. Oh, sure. Yeah. But was he someone that was going to be like stern with them? Where right. there was that relationship that, yes, he's still not your boss, but he's he makes the decisions. And at the end of the day, you can't be like, best friends right he's still in charge of like making this team better and managing us for sure so i i thought he lost the players there a little bit with him just being a rookie everyone was a rookie's guys uh so i thought maybe larissa would have been that guy people were a little wary about how analytics were going to get used but right. i was reading something that during his last few positions that he held i think with maybe the diamondbacks and another team Right. He was he was involved with some of those departments mm -hmm. pretty closely, so I was I was, I was less nervous. Um, but entering the season now, after I'm seeing a few things, um, there's some things that are definitely on the White Sox team, the players, like in in game that they need to fix, like uh, runners in scoring position, right. uh, scoring, and um, pitching better. But at the same time, there's some of those things I would get mad about Ricky not doing with the bullpen. Uh, La Russa's also seem to uh, had those issues. So right now I'm giving yeah. an average grade. Like I, I, maybe next month, if these are, it's happened quite a bit already, but if it's, if that's the way it's going to be next month, then I'm going to be even more uh, like he needs to go type of person. But right now we're only about, less than 15 percent of the way after tonight's game so i'm not completely done with him yeah you know there's been the some of the questionable uh lineup decisions larry garcia is getting a lot of plate appearances um jake lamb is 
the fact that he's getting any is questionable. Um, I know a lot of fans have been displeased with Andrew Vaughn's consistent player lack of being given the consistent opportunities. And when you've got a young player like that, um, it's hard for them to establish rhythm in the major leagues for the first time when they're, they're not sure when they're going to be in there. You know, I, I was always a fan of, especially on a team like this, where, um, you, you, you've already got basically eight guys that you know are going to be in there most days, going to be really solid. Uh, this is a team, especially with the emergence of Mercedes, who we'll talk about in a bit, um, that can afford to, to allow Vaughn to learn on the, learn the job, on, you know, on the job. Um, I was expecting or hoping to see him get more uh, opportunities than he has at this point. Um, another, another thing, you know, Lewis is for sure an old school bullpen manager. He's still kind of stuck in the mindset that my closer can only be used in safe situations or things like that. When, you know, I think the modern game says a closer is used when the game needs to be saved. And that can be in the eighth inning. Sometimes that can be in the seventh inning. It's not necessarily your ninth inning guy. I've seen that a couple of times and, and, you know, it, I've seen some arguments back and forth. It's so easy to, to, to Monday morning quarterback this, but, you know, maybe sticking with starters a bit too long, certain situations. Uh, I think that's a tough call and it's hard for me to judge that in his first month. Uh, I've been, I, I can't say that I've been disappointed. This is what I was expecting out of Larusa. Um, now I, to be fair, I have to admit in a bias here because I was a Cubs fan, for so long, I have a strong disliking for Tony La Russa for his, his Cardinals years. Not only obviously were the Cardinals a better team, but uh, there were some heated uh, rivalry matchups with the Cubs with La Russa at the center of that. So um, I was already not going to be a big fan of him. I haven't been wildly impressed with him to this point, um, but it's young. It's an exciting young team. You it, it almost I mean, it's really hard to not steer this team to success, in my opinion. Uh, when you look at the pieces that they have, I mean, they're sitting at what right now, what's their record uh, 13 and 10. And they, they got one more game tonight. Yeah. And so I, you know, I mean, I think it seems like over the last week they've, they've hit their stride a bit more last week and a half. So um, yeah, I think, I think we'll be, this will be an ongoing conversation. Larusa isn't one of those long-term commitments. We were talking about uh, that when we're uh, before we started the podcast, you know, the, the White Sox famously do not release the how long the contracts are for their managers. Um, it's believed to be a multi-year deal, but I think most people would say two max, with, three years. Yeah, with his age and the way the team's like trying to go young and to begin yeah, with, for sure. uh, I can see it not being a long-term thing. Yeah, uh, he's 76. I mean, he's no spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned about... How do I say uh, of the the lineups and the structure mm-hmm. of them? And one of the things that I struggle with is I understand like playing into matchups and lefty, lefty, righty, whatever, and who's done well in the past. But early in the season, uh, I would like to see more of those top players, especially a team like the White Sox. There are a lot of young guys who have very minimum at bats in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. So you can't necessarily say, yeah, this guy's can't make that matchup work ever until yeah. they get a substantial amount of at bats in that situation. So mm-hmm. I would like to see less of putting in like the Jake lands Garcia uh, right now. Uh, maybe next month you can switch them in 
uh, which I hope some of those guys aren't necessarily on the Sox at that point. Yeah. Uh, but give some of these younger guys, these at-bats, they're young, they can play every day, and get them into that experience. I, I don't know if they'll end up getting better, but you don't know unless you try. Um, so when, when you're thinking, though, I mean, the White Sox start at 12 and 10. I mean, where would this team be, though, without really, I think, two players, one on each side of the ball, so to speak? Um, first, let's, let's start with, with Mercedes. Um, who saw the – did you see this coming? I did not. I I don't remember much of spring training, but I don't think he was awful. But the way uh, Ian, another one of us from the White Sox Daily, uh, he's always been pretty high on him. And I've seen him share stuff in the past about his hitting. Yeah. So uh, I didn't see this start, <laughs> but I thought maybe he could get get some nice hits and do uh, be an average player for the Sox, fit in there nice. Uh, but his hot start's been pretty exciting. And he's one of those guys that loves being a baseball player and is just glad to be where he's right. at, which makes it even more exciting to root for him. You saw this week, he was a part of this video that the White Sox came out for uh, Freddy's, which is a, like a local uh, like hot dog beef sandwich stand, uh, not too far from the ballpark where right. he has his own burger and he's, <laughs> he's like excited to try it. Sure. It had a little bit of, uh, his Dominican heritage involved in the recipe as well as, uh, just him. It was named after him and he's just That's all awesome. just happy about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously he's, he's off to a, a ridiculously towards start, even, even, counting you know a bit of a quote-unquote dry stretch at the end of the month he's slashing 432 475 662 uh with four home runs um the guy is just off the charts right now uh leading the team in hits you know i think one of the big question marks coming into the season after the eloy injury now was what where how are the Sox going to fill two positions dh and left field um and I know there was there was some, you know, angst among the fans that, uh, you know, coming into what is really the beginning of their wide open window. Reinsdorf had the opportunity to open up the pocketbooks and, and really plug in a couple of players that would have fit really well with this team. Uh, instead, you know, their, their big move was Adam Eaton, which um, I'm kind of ambivalent about. I, 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 if he can stay healthy, he's a helpful piece, but he's not that impact bat that they were hoping a lot of fans were hoping they were going to get. Um, so, you know, obviously if Mercedes can keep up anywhere that near this level of production, which is a lot to ask out of a, a guy with so little um, of a track record. Um, well, maybe Reinsdorf won't look like such a miser, but um, yeah. Where would the Sox offense be without Mercedes? I mean, he is really early on. Uh, he was, he was carrying the team. Yeah, which without Eloy, it's been nice having him step in because that loss of Eloy, especially we talk about runners in scoring position, that was going to be a huge area where Eloy's done pretty well and power, which Mercedes has stepped in, contributed pretty well so far. Uh, from what I understand, to ask of those same numbers, that's right. tough, but like, a slight drop off uh, from what I hear. He, 
he's hit at every level. He makes those mm-hmm. adjustments. And I expect a, an okay rest of the uh, his rookie season. It's unfortunate. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with the last few seasons of who they had put in, like the DH and <laughs> yeah. some of these roles. They had a, what was it, A.J. Reed. And uh, who are just Mazzara, uh, Wellington Castillo, Mazzara, yeah. uh, Yonder Alonso. Yeah. When they had Mercedes, who improved at every level, hitting, which I don't know how you don't bring out, especially when the, yeah. those teams were losing teams, wasting at bats on these guys who are definitely no at their time in the league, not bring up a person who's continued to show that he's ready to make the next jump. Yeah, I mean, he's one of your most extreme stories. He's a 28-year-old rookie, which as a position player, that's virtually unheard of to be a 28-year-old rookie producing at a high level. You know, you know, you can see that sometimes pitching, starting bullpen, whatever. Uh, but typically, 28 years old, uh, an organization's mostly given up on you at that point. Um, so yeah, it does beg the question: what would it ha- what would happen if you'd have been called up earlier? Um, but yeah, obviously he's been been really solid. And then on the flip side, you have Carlos Rodon, who's been just out of this world good. Uh, he's probably the runaway favorite for American League Pitcher of the Month. Uh, I'm going to ask you the same question as a longtime Sox fan. Did you see this start coming? I did not. Last year, he 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 struggled. He was out a little bit. And this is an area where I was mad with Ricky. Uh, There's a specific game where... He was out for two months, so I think it was, and he got put in a spot where it was a tight game, and he just got destroyed, multiple yeah. runs, multiple hits, when, like, the next game it was a blowout. You could have tossed him in there, see what he got, and maybe it would have been a better opportunity to come to playoffs to, to help adjust. Uh, but once again, I was glad they signed him because I was like, give him one more chance, see what he has. This is a guy who, coming out of college, it's been four or five years now, but was one of the star uh, pitchers, excellent stuff, and he's always had injuries. Let's see how he does after some yeah. time off from his injury. This one last time, third time's the charm. Right, and so far he's been dominant. Not only is he, uh, his stuff looks good. He's striking out a lot of batters. Uh, he's striking out. I think it's like 12.6 per nine innings, which is a career high for him. He's sitting at 4-0, uh, 0.72 ERA. Uh, batters are hitting point zero eight five against him, I think yeah. it is, uh, which is insane. And he has to be a favorite for uh, pitcher of the month for the for AL. Sure. I, I don't know who else would be. Uh, I mean, he threw the no-hitter. Uh, that's always going to be a, um, a particularly dominant no hitter. Uh, that's always going to be, um, you know, something that boosts you towards that. And then just it's every other start has just been fantastic. He, he was, he was let go by the white Sox. He was non-tendered, correct. Um, beginning of December, he was one of those surprise non-tender candidates. I mean, he's a former, uh, top prospect for the team gets non-tendered. Uh, what, what, what was it? December 2nd was when that was announced. He doesn't get signed again to the white Sox until January 30th, basically the end of free agency. So this guy goes from non-tender to no hitter. And it's not a one-off at this point. He, he really looks like 
a top of the rotation type of arm at this point is it maybe now is finally the time. Um, you know, we just said 28 years old for Mercedes is old. Well, 28 years old is not strange for a pitcher to finally find his own. Yeah. What's been nice is uh, he's a guy who's like the fifth starter who's playing, who's pitching like a a number one, which is nice considering this, this pitching staffs, one of the better pitching staffs, uh, in the league and to have your fifth starter pitching at an ace level, it shows just how good this line, this pitching, their pitching right. is right now. And which looks to be the case for the season. Uh, one of the things that we're, we're wondering now is how does this like shake up the pitching staff? Uh, we don't really see six man rotations and, uh, often if you do move into six man rotation, that six guys, usually a spot guy. That right. they need in like a pinch, maybe a double hatter yep. or maybe a weird uh, way the schedule works where they have like too many days off. They just need to toss one in there or too many games in a row. Right. Uh, which it's going to cause it's not an issue. It should be a good issue to have where you, you got players playing well. Uh, who's the odd man out? Uh, especially with Michael Kopech, who's now looking hot. How, how does that work? Which, how do you keep him the out moment, of the rotation at this point? Yeah. At I mean, the he's, moment, he's been phenomenal in relief, and you, you, can, you can never have enough power arms, but it's not like the bullpen is short of great arms for this team. That's a huge strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dylan Cease has not performed well at this point. I mean, the guy's walking uh, over six batters per nine. Um, that is not ideal <laughs> um, uh, for for a starting pitcher. He's young. He's still considered a highly touted prospect. So you don't want to give up on him. You don't want to shatter the guy's confidence. But at the same point, you're now in that window. So it, it's all about winning at this point. Uh, just it, it, for me, uh, you know, one, once Lance Lynn comes back from the 10-day IL, um, yeah, I don't. I have a hard time seeing them still going with Cease over Kopech. Yeah, I think we'll see Kopech in the similar role that he's played this past month for maybe in the next month to six weeks, at least from a non-expert sure. just talks in my like thoughts because he's also a guy who's coming off a huge uh, arm injury. Right. So I don't know if you you saw what. Uh, when I think of guys who's coming off of injuries, I think of the way Strasburg came back right. and how there's like pitching limits and inning limits. Right. So do you throw him in right away into a hundred, 200 plus innings in the first season when you're also trying to make the playoff run yeah. that you'll need him in? That's a good uh, point. That's why I'm, I don't know if we want to toss um, 100% as our fifth starter. Uh, that's a really but, good point. Um you know, something also worth mentioning when it comes to this idea of needing a six starter, this season is a very unique season in that everybody's innings pitched were way down last year, obviously with a, with a, with the shortened season due to the pandemic. So um, ramping these guys back up to a normal inning count, you're, you're risking injury, um, all kinds of issues. Well, well, we have a lot of dead arms c- come later in the season. This is, this is something all teams are worried about. So if you can have that guy or a couple of guys that you can use every so often in a spot start, 
Um, that really, I think, link, lengthens the season for a lot of pitchers. Um, you know, I think you actually talked me into it, Xavier. Uh, I, Kopech, oh. I, you know, it's it's easy to be wowed by his incredible stuff and his his recent spot start. He was just lights out. But you're right. He's coming off of an arm injury. And, and I think the key here is this team is expected to make the playoffs. Anything short of the playoffs is, is, is uh, considered a failure, I think, by the players, by the, the, by the, by the front office. You need Kopech in October, and you're not going to have him, if, I don't think. I think you're right if he's making a ton of starts this early in the season. Um, just a little side point on Kopech. It was nice. I, I don't know if you get heard, but this past weekend, I guess – people were like kind of harassing him and like going after him. He's actually this whole past year, people have been like unfairly attacking him. He took some time off mental health, becoming a father and adjusting to that all while we're in this pandemic. And it's not coming out of like baseball fans. It's white Sox fans that are like saying all this. And I guess they did it in person at a Sox team and he had to be held back. And what was nice, it had, yeah, it hadn't been the best, like, F you when, when he came out Sunday after that happening with Friday or Saturday and just, like, five innings, uh, career high in strikeouts, just completely dominating the opponent uh, to really show those guys how like, clueless you look because uh, they, this is who he is and what he brings to this team. How can you... Not only, it's not like they were like fans of the other team. This is your your favorite teams, one of their t- our top players. It, it it looks disgusting. I think these people, I don't know how mine works like that. Um, but kudos to Michael Kopech for really just showing up Sunday and proving like this is who I am, and I don't care what you guys say. Yeah, I, I don't know what was exactly said. I don't think it's been released. He he made some very personal comments, perhaps including his family. Um, I, I don't think there's ever a place for that as, as a fan, opposing player your own. But I, I don't understand the completely turning on your own team, especially a guy who's pitching well. He's pitched through adversity. Um, I, I just I, I can't wrap my mind around that. I get being dis- disappointed. Uh, if a guy, and I get to being disappointed that he, he sat out last year, um, who, who knows how yeah. well he had been produced coming back from the injury, but I get the disappointment. I don't in any way, um, call him. I mean, I, I won't say anything negative about his decision. Mm-hmm. I, you know, every, every player had to make that call last year. And it was a really hard decision for a lot of players. And a lot of big names did. There, there's a, there, there's a very clear line of like talking trash and like personally attacking a player. Yes. And when you think about it, at least this is how I think about, uh, while, although it's their job and we like support them, we go to their games, we put money into it. It's, it is a game. I don't know how other people who are listening, who, who hear this will get mad or not about me saying this, but that's, I just think of it as a game. Like this is compared to so much things in your life. It's a game. It's, it's for enjoyment. It's fun. Uh, you can have like the rivalry and add things to it, but some of the personal attacks to these people like are bogus to me. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's kind of I think endemic of of kind of a, an era era of entitlement 
uh, you, I've seen a lot in sports fans. You hear comments like this, you know, you, you buy a ticket, I'm paying your salary kind of thing. And, and there's almost like all these players owe us something personally, as opposed to their guys playing a really difficult game and they're putting their heart out there. And you know what? Sometimes they just are terrible. And when, when it comes to Kopech sitting out, uh, there's so much stuff in his situation where another season off, especially a short season, is it a big deal? We have the stock. We had so many strong players right now is mm-hmm. losing one guy and having him for the future. Uh, really that big of a deal when you have so many other players that you can right. be excited about and watch. Exactly. Right exactly. So yeah, a lot to be excited about. I think as white Sox fans, um, I know there was a little, uh, unease over their start, you know, only a couple of games, a few games over 500. Uh, I don't know where they're currently at in the, the game they're playing right now as we record this. Um, but, you know, I, I there's a lot to be excited about. Uh, and when you think what they've been able to do when, you know, Tim Anderson missed time, uh, you know, Grandall has not been able to get going yeah, offensively. Once um, again, uh, some injuries to start the season. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, we saw a ton of injuries, at least for the White Sox. We've seen it all, a little bit of pitching issues, bullpen, uh, injuries guys getting off to a cold start, but that's what I think April is. I, mm-hmm. I really, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sold on baseball being played in March and April. No kidding. Uh, Especially if you're a team up as north. a regular season, <laughs> like sometimes I'm, if we were to shorten a season, I would have spring training now yeah. and start in May and continue the season into no, at least another week into November, if you want for the playoffs, but it, uh, most of these stadiums and the way people play are in the cities. Uh, there's a lot of rainouts. It's cold, wet. It's miserably, uh, cold. it's miserable hitting weather in Chicago. This and this, time year. Yeah. And this year you're already seeing so many of these postponements, double headers or losing no chances to be at games and watching them. Right. And some of these teams have, are going to end up having games worth of innings loss because of these double headers. Absolutely. All right. So as we uh, get ready to sign off here, a um, lot of great things to talk about, a lot of exciting things. Who is your player of the next week? Who, when we when we tape our next podcast, this is the guy who carried the team this week. Who's yours? I'm, I'm looking at Jose Abreu. Last year, MVP, uh, stepped up in so many situations. He was great with runners in scoring position. Uh, we saw right now that's a big issue for this team. He's only sitting at 218 batting average. I'd like to see him the next few series uh, pick that up, help drive in some runs, uh, and get these White Sox team on like a, a nice hot streak of like a long stretch of winning games. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think uh, he, he would probably, he kind of stole my pick. He, he's, he's a good, he's a good pick to have, you know, he's the MVP. Yeah. And so you, you need to see a little bit more out of him offensively. They've gotten to this point, but like you said, it's April. Um, this is not a, a shortened season now, so we don't have to panic quite as much. Uh, I'm going to go with at least I th- the guy I think needs to get it going for the team is Grandall. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he, he brings plenty to the table defensively, but uh, I, I think that they could do a little bit better than that 122, 283, 286 slash line he's got going for him right now. And, yeah, I think his career numbers have proven that uh, he's going to come around. Well, like we said, a lot to be excited about. Um, yeah, so I think that's about all I've got. Uh, Xavier, why don't you send us out? From myself and Ben, 
Thank you for listening to the White Sox Daily Podcast. See you next week.